Let's turn in our Bibles this morning to John chapter 12, verse 12, beginning in verse 12. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 12, for our scripture reading this morning, uh, what we'll be uh, obviously talking about is uh, Palm Sunday, but much more than that. So John 12, and uh, while there will be some uh, verses on the screen, there will be those just to have you look up. In fact, you look them all up. Uh, John chapter 12, let's begin reading. Verse 12, the next day the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Then they took the branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it. As it is written, do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. And at first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him, when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. And so the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Let's pray. Father, we do come before you this morning. Not only have we come to worship you, Jesus, but we've come to hear your word. Not come to your mind, but yours. And that you would speak. That you would speak clearly. Open our eyes of our heart, not just our minds, to see what we do not see. See you, Jesus, in all of who you are. Move in our midst and reign supremely over all. So, are you ready for the return of the king? When you say, you know, are we ready for coming Christ? Are we ready for the coming of Christ the king? And I think most of us would say yes. Yes, but here's the thing. The reality is that first Palm Sunday, they were not ready. Although they would have all said to that question, yes, just like you were thinking. They would have all said, yes, yes, we're ready. I mean, here they were shouting, Hosanna, save, Hosanna, praise. They sure looked ready, crowded together. Imagine people in that scene uh, just trying to push forward to the front so they wouldn't miss the coming of the Messiah, Christ the King. 
But even those who then pushed forward to the very front row still missed him. They were in the right spot, but they were looking in the wrong direction. Because in many ways, what was at least on that Palm Sunday, what seemed to be on that Palm Sunday, a coronation march ready to crown Jesus, in less than a week it became a funeral procession that crucified him. Jesus was not the one they had waited on. Jesus was not the one they were looking for. Jesus was not the one to deliver them. Jesus was not the Messiah, Christ the King. Jesus was not the one that they were ready for. And yet we know that he was. They just missed it. Jesus was and is Christ the King of all kings. They would have said they were ready for the return. But they were not. So are we really ready for the return? Or are we in the same boat? How did they miss it? They got distracted. And did not keep their eyes on Jesus. That's how they missed it. They got distracted and did not keep their eyes on Jesus. And we can end up missing the coming of Christ again for very similar reasons. We're going to look at two reasons today that probably we haven't considered before. But we see here in this passage and we'll go beyond this. And the first reason that they got distracted and they got eyes off of Jesus was this. Point number one, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus and don't be distracted by popular teachings. It'll come clear in a few minutes what I'm talking about here, but think about it. Verse 13, in our passage, verse 13, they went, took palm branches, went out, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the King of Israel. They were quoting the word of God there. That's, that's, that's the word. They were invoking the name of God. Everything they said sounded religious and right. They were looking for a conquering king, the Messiah, the son of David, to rally the nation to overcome the enemy of the Roman occupation and restore the kingdom. They probably would have known of the messianic prophecy of Christ the king all the way back to Genesis chapter 49 in verse 9 about the, how he would be the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so they were looking for this lion in power and majesty to come and take over. There are other scriptures they knew as well. Surely, just like we know about the ones that we hear at Christmas time, uh, oftentimes, like Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is what they were told. This is, yes, what the scripture said. And it's that popular teaching of this that was what was being heard and everyone was grabbing a hold of. 
Now please understand, it's not that this wasn't truth. It just wasn't the whole truth about Jesus. They'd gotten their eyes really off of Jesus on who he really was and onto the picture that they wanted of Jesus. I'm not sure they, they even thought about it or they even thought about what it meant to be looking for and wanting the lion of the tribe of Judah to come since the connections of the lion and Israel was not necessarily a good thing in the word. I mean, you go to uh, Hosea chapter 13, verse, beginning in verse 4, and we're going to continue on through there. But I have been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no Savior except me. I care for you in the wilderness in a land of burning heat. When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they become proud and they forgot me. Sound anything similar? I, you know, anyway, they were looking for, right, the lion to come with us with the Palm Sunday. That's what they wanted. But here's where he talks about it. So I will be like a lion to them. A leopard, I will lurk by the path like a bear robbed of her cubs. I will attack them and rip them open like a lion. I will devour them. A wild animal will tear them apart. Are we really wanting the lion to come? We really understand what they were wanting, what they were asking. The picture that was in their minds was not the full picture that is in God's. This lion was the leader they wanted. They didn't want to hear anything different. It, it was true to the scriptures, except if it really was the only way to look at it, then Jesus would have been coming right then and there as the lion. But instead he came as a lamb. Which was always a part of the plan. Just not a part of their picture of Jesus. It's something they just chose to ignore. To not listen to those voices. They were not looking for a lamb as king. And they would say this is... This is not what the scripture spoke about. Surely, I mean, this is not, don't talk to me about that. I don't want to hear about that. That's not what the scriptures are speaking about. Jesus didn't take on the governing authorities. He didn't bring judgment down upon them all. How could they miss Jesus who was right there in their midst? They were looking right at him. But they were distracted by their preconceived religious box of who they decided the Messiah or who Jesus was to be, the Christ was to be. Because of that popular religious thought, because of what they were told, because those who were not necessarily clueless, just confused. I mean, we read here in our passage, in verse 16, at first the disciples did not understand all this. You know, because verse 14, I suppose we 
go back to verse 14, the young donkey, as it is written. So they were saying, blessed is who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the king. They were using scripture uh, from what we would say is the Old Testament. And, the, and another one comes, another prophecy uh, uh, talking about Jesus. Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion, seeing your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. But they just didn't fit. They didn't fit with their picture. And even the disciples at first did not understand all this in verse 16. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize all, that these things had been written about him. It didn't really dawned on them. This stuff had been written. This is what was said. But they didn't hear that. And in part, they didn't want to hear that many in those days. Some were clueless, some just confused, like John the Baptist. John the Baptist, who made the way for Jesus, you remember some of the things John the Baptist said, like Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 here. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff and unquenchable fire well i mean as he talks about this think about what john the baptist is thinking is he really is he he's really thinking about the same lion you know could it be i mean we we don't know what he's thinking for sure other than we know he gets confused because we read later in matthew chapter 11 when john who was in prison heard about the deeds of the messiah he sent his disciples to ask him are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else now what's going on with john the baptist whether it's just that the whole awaiting death and starting to question in that moment whether it was the weakness and everything that he had to endure, what was going on. But he was questioning here, are you really the one? Are you really the Christ? Are you really the king to come? In some ways, John the Baptist questioning the popular teaching of the Messiah that he would sift out all this that he just talked about. The swift judgment would come. There would be a fiery judgment on wickedness and sin. John the Baptist perhaps grew up hearing from other family members about the birth, the miraculous birth of Jesus and the things that were said about him. Like in Luke chapter 1 where it talks about Jesus will be great and called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. You know, you hear that, you grow up with that. You're thinking, okay, he's the king, he's the one. And, and yet now is he? Because we get this specific picture this popular notion of what was needed what everybody wanted is jesus the lion and he wasn't being the lion but jesus answers john the baptist in these verses he replied go back and report to john what you hear and see the blind receive sight the lame walk and those who have leprosy are cleansed the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. 
Jesus says, here's what's going on. Now, now why does this that you see on the screen, uh, why does this in Matthew 11 matter as part of proof? Obviously, we think of it as proof of, hey, there is a power of God working. So that's what, you know, this is, he's the, He's the real deal because the power of God is working and all these things are happening. But it's more than that. He is fulfilling the prophecy in the scripture of what has been said as you look at different places like Isaiah 35 verses 4 to 6. Say to those who are fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance and with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then... The eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame will leap like a deer, and the mute tongue will shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. What Jesus said in answer to him is another scripture. This is, uh, this is the reason that he's the part of the reason saying he is the one. But even in that, and when John the Baptist would have been thinking, he would have remember what I just read to you. I don't know if you, you caught that. It, part of that is, and he will come with vengeance and divine retribution and will come and save you. Well, wait a minute. This Jesus who just wrote, on, wrote in on Palm Sunday is not doing this. What's going on here? I just want to see Jesus as the lion. But for some reason, even John the Baptist, I I don't know for sure, but I'm just speculating here, that John the Baptist forgot his very own words in John 1, verse 29. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He knew that. And yet, so consumed by what was going on in the world around, so consumed with the popular teaching that this is, we lose track, that Jesus was not just to be the lion of the tribe of Judah come to take over. He was to be the lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. John the Baptist's answer fits with the beginning of Jesus' ministry when he began and in Luke chapter 4, it's a quote from Isaiah 61. But let's look at this back in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Which is what we were just talking about. That was kind of the answer He gave to John the Baptist, right? This is what Jesus said at the very beginning as He started this, this ministry. Here's what it is. And He was quoting... And he was reading and quoting from Isaiah, Isaiah 61. Now here's the thing. And and I want you to see, because I'm going to put Isaiah 61. So I want you to look at that. I'm going to put Isaiah 61 on the screen. And tell me if you notice anything missing, so to speak. Not taken out. There's nothing... uh, I can only think of nefarious. <laughs> there's nothing. I must have been watching uh, Minions or something. I don't know. Uh, but there's nothing nefarious about this. It's just think about what is said here. All right? Now, this that Jesus was quoting, he was reading from Isaiah. Uh, this is what Isaiah says. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Did you catch it? What they love to hear. What they loved about this passage. Was that part in there? about the day of vengeance of our God. They long for this judgment of the coming kingdom. And yet when Jesus read this, when Jesus spoke this, he left out their favorite part for now. And Jesus doesn't make mistakes. The part they wanted in, the part they expected, the part that that, that, that was their picture Forget all the rest. The rest of it really didn't matter what he was going to do other than a few of us who might be captives and prisoners for real. But it is about the day of vengeance of our God is what they wanted. And when they found out that Jesus wasn't bringing that right then and there, they got their eyes off of Jesus. They had the scriptures down in John chapter 12 here in verses 14 and 15. What that is, is reading out of Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, the foal, the foal of a donkey. Here it is. What is said of the Christ, the coming Christ, the crowd recognizing him as king. And kings would come riding in on donkeys when it was a time of peace. It was symbolic of a time of peace after battle, so to speak. Kings would come riding in. And when Jesus came riding in, this was the scripture, this was it. But then as they thought more, as they heard more from Jesus, said more word got out about the picture of who Jesus really was. They didn't like that part of Jesus riding in as a lamb. It did not fit with their picture. It did not fit with the party line that was popular at that time, nor with even the far right people who were the zealots wanting to take everything back by force. So here's the victory parade happening on Palm Sunday. But the victory they thought they were celebrating was not the victory that Jesus the Lamb came to give. It was not the suffering servant Messiah that was spoken of in Isaiah. They'd missed that. And yet Isaiah chapter 53 verses 4 to 10, you can turn there. I'm not going to put it up. There's too much to put up there on the screen. But Isaiah 53, verse 4, Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. 
Each of us has turned to our own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Does this sound like the Lion of Judah coming to take things over? And yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before his shearers of science, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of this of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him, to cause him to suffer and though the Lord makes his life and through this the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and proclaim prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. This was a part of the picture of who the Messiah was to be as well. But only wanted to see that. Perhaps it it, it wasn't taught, or sometimes things are taught, they're just not caught. Because it desperately wanted the lion not the lamb. Even though a lamb would have been a familiar symbol to them, especially at this time that this was happening around Passover, as we think about the Passover lamb, as it reflected back to that lamb that they would have slain and the blood applied back in Exodus, applied to the doorposts of their houses, protecting protecting them as death passed over. Jesus, living the perfect life, the perfect spotless lamb of God, the sacrifice to cover over our sins, to be a propitiation, to not only forgive us, but to give us a way to enter the presence of God and restore a relationship with us. That is also why he came. We read in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and your hope are in God. This is Jesus that they got their eyes off of. Their biblical picture was not wrong, It was yet to be completed when Christ the King would come back, but unfortunately it didn't fit for them in that moment. And you know what? The same thing happens today. With some people's picture of Jesus, just like it it, it didn't fit then. You see, he, he, he came in as a donkey, came, came in on a donkey, right? They didn't fit with their picture. But for many, even today, it doesn't fit with their picture that Jesus will come back on a horse. Kings riding horses was more about them going off to war than for peace. They were not ready for the conquering king. Turn your Bibles to Revelation 19 another passage is too long to try to put up on the screen in revelation 19 verse 11 here is the picture of jesus a picture that some 
are not ready to receive even in our day. In Revelation 19, verse 11, I saw the heavens standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is faithful and true. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns, and he has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe. And on his thigh he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, Come, gather together for the great supper of God, so that they may eat the flesh of kings and generals and mighty men of horses and riders and flesh of all people, free and slaves, small and great. And I saw all of this, the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who had been performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs he deluded those who had received the mark of the beast who worshipped the image. The two then were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. That first time Jesus came riding in as a lamb on Palm Sunday, so to speak, the next time Jesus will come riding in as a lion. But that doesn't always fit everybody's picture. You know, there's, there's, there's not, that day of Palm Sunday, after that, they rejected the rain. Of Jesus, but there will be no rejecting his reign when he comes again as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But we get our eyes off of Jesus and who he really is. He's coming back in a blaze of glory to destroy evil and to set up his kingdom on this earth. And yet there are those who are ready to hear this. You just read Revelation 19 and being there's some people, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I, I, you know, I'm not one of those people who have a problem hearing that. I'm, I, I, I don't, I don't have a problem. You sure? You know, we say that the first part. We all like that rider and the King of Kings and Lord of Lords things. But what about the whole flesh and all the rest of that stuff? Do we really? Yeah, judgment needs to come down. So I don't, I'm not sure everyone who has, uh, who says that has actually read through the word of God and the times of judgment that has happened that had nothing to do with end times. To want, yeah, come down with a judgment like that. You got people on the flip side who want to hear about the Lamb and His love, right? That's what we need right now. We don't hear about it enough. And you got the people on the other side, you know, we need to hear about the lion. We don't hear about that enough. We don't hear about that. Everybody thinks they don't hear about whatever they want in their popular 
teaching enough. Both sides wanted something. It's either Jesus the lion or Jesus the lamb. Lamb often symbolizing Christ's love and his sacrifice. The lion often symbolizing the royal, royal victorious, resurrected Christ and his judgment. But once again, what happens even today is believers are deciding which picture of Jesus they want. The what they want to popularly identify with. And here's the problem with this. The number one problem with this. Besides the division and getting our eyes off of Jesus, that's probably the number one. But here's the problem with this. Jesus is both the lion and the lamb. He is not part of the time the lamb and part of the time the lion. If if to say sometimes Jesus, with Jesus you get mercy and sometimes you get judgment. No, at the same time Jesus is both the lion and the lamb. Revelation chapter 5 verse 5 and 6 says this, Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. This is the scene in heaven. You understand the scene yet to come. The scene in heaven. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scrolls and his seven seals. And then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, saying, standing there at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. Jesus, in that moment, then is both the lion and the lamb. He is the lion and the lamb today. A similar picture of Jesus and what is wanted has happened even throughout this, this past year. Something I, I, what people wanted emphasized. I've talked about it before. Everybody, it's, it's about truth. We need to hear about truth. We need the truth out here. And then you got others shouting from the other side, we need love. We need, to, we need more love. We, uh, no, we need more truth. We need more. You know what? Jesus is both love and truth together at the same time. And we need to get our eyes back on him instead of on what's popular with what we're hearing from whoever we're listening to. On either side, it's got to be love. It's got to be truth. It's got to be the lamb. It's got to be the lion. No, it is all. He is God. And he's able to be all of that. Much like on that first Palm Sunday, there are many who were not ready for his coming and there will be many who will not be ready for the second coming. Because Not just because they have no clue, but... In some ways, because they have listened to modern-day self-proclaimed prophets and their popular prophecy who are peddling speculation and sensationalism to outright falsehoods and neglecting the foundational principles of the Word of God as it deals with end times. We as Christians are getting drawn in with no real ability to check things out because they're not specifically written in the Bible and literally there. But even when we do each have a Bible, we don't get into that. We don't know the basics. So that when we hear something that sounds interesting and exciting, we would recognize, whoa, wait a minute. That's off a of core truth of the Bible. That's off a of core truth of what the end times is supposed to be. 
That is something that's happened more over this last year because of everything going on, this conversations that talked about. And so in the middle of, and, and God had us in this series of James, but uh, last summer, he put on my heart for this next series, whenever we're done with James, because we go through the Bible, go through it, verse by verse. And so there's a new series coming the Sunday after Easter on April 11th. Basically, as you think about it, End Times 101. End Times 101. I, there's going to be some more to that. I, I, I got that, but we're going to cover the End Times basic foundational things that every Christian should know that matters most based on clear teaching of Scripture, not on popular religious opinion and speculation that is out there right now. Much of what is out there, this popular end times teaching, does not tell you what it really means to be ready for the return of the king. Oh, they'll talk like that is, but they will not tell you what the Bible really says, the purpose and the real preparation. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus and not get distracted with popular teaching. But here's, and this is just a quick last uh, point, so to speak, or a quicker last point. To get to the real crux of what's happening at Palm Sunday, why it happened and why it's happening today. Because it's really not about blaming the popular teaching or it's really about people wanting to hear what they want to hear. Whether it's taught or whether it's caught. And so many times it's about what they want to hear because they are so distracted by their personal troubles that they've lost sight of Jesus. That's what's happened that Palm Sunday. Jesus comes in. They were, they were distracted by all their problems and the troubles, uh, what was going on in their own life and what was happening, let alone the problems and troubles of their country that was under rule of the Romans and oppression and occupation, tyranny. They wanted to be free. And what they wanted from God mattered more than what God wanted for them. They got their eyes off the Savior because they were so focused on their situation. I mean, that's as we look at John. We were just reading, I mean, obviously in our passage in John chapter 12, verse 17 and 18, the last part. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. They were lying on those streets, Hosanna, because of what Jesus did for somebody. Because what Jesus did in the situation, not because of who he was, not because they really understood who Jesus was. Their sight was not, they were not looking at the Savior, they were looking at their situation. Their personal situation. And they got distracted. The same is true today. We do the same thing. We have our own idea of what God should do in our situation. Right? 
how we want God to show up, and many times we don't leave room for the way that God wants to do it, even if it's a greater way than we could have ever imagined, even if he does it and he does it in spite of us, sometimes we don't even recognize it was Jesus because that's not what we wanted. That's not a part of our picture, and so we don't see it when God has actually worked in our life and working in our life. While they were waiting for this king to defeat the earthly enemy, the Romans, they completely missed the Jesus who came to take care of a greater and more real enemy, death and the devil. For while the final battle is not done yet, so to speak, the war has already been won at the cross. And we can experience that victory even today. What is it that is consuming you then instead of Christ? This year, it's been about COVID. It's been about the government. But instead of being consumed with Christ, the lion and the lamb, who isn't concerned about either of those things or any of those things? He's not worried. He's not concerned. He's not. Oh, my. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? No. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Ask the worship team to come. There'll be Christians completely surprised by the coming of Christ, not because they did not know it, but because they did not think about it. Because they have become consumed with day-to-day trials and tribulations of life. They're not excited that Jesus is coming back. Not excited that Jesus is coming back because they don't think about it. They're not ready. It doesn't matter because deep inside, they... Not only are they consumed with all their problems and what's going on, they deep inside, they don't really believe it's going to happen or at least anytime soon. And so this whole coming of Christ is not on their radar. And unfortunately, the more and more we go down that road, keeping our eyes off of Jesus, being distracted by our own personal problems, Jesus ends up not even being on our radar. We know all about him. Yes, at one time we were close and Yet we've been consumed with life and not with the Lord. I think some would even be slightly disappointed if Jesus came back before some of the things on their bucket list were accomplished. In all of this, Jesus' talk and what he really says to us, denying ourselves, taking up a cross and following him as Lord and King is not the picture that people want today in churches. It's the same thing. Same thing from Palm Sunday, that first Palm Sunday. Jesus is not the kind of king they wanted, and so many times today, Jesus is not the kind of king that people in churches, especially in the U.S., want. Could it be that we're not ready for the coming of Christ in the future? Because we're not ready for Christ right here and now. When we think about this, are you ready for the lion and the lamb? Are you ready for Jesus, the coming king? Now, first and foremost, let's just make it clear. In a sense, to think about it this way, we need to receive the lamb before we're ready for the lion. And while we may not think about it, just as I was mentioned before about the lion and lamb, we need to understand that Jesus is not part-time king. 
We think of the lion and kingly is king. But the lamb is king as well. He's not just coming as a king of kings and lord of lords someday. He is the king of kings and lord of lords today. And so if we're not going to be distracted and be ready to see him when the time comes, then we need to be surrendered today to that king of kings and lord of lords. We cannot wait until, oh yeah, well there he is. I guess I should surrender to him as king. There's the king. Oh, it's not going to work like that. It's not just that he is your savior, that he is the lamb and the lion. Is he that one? Who we have totally surrendered to. Father, I pray that you'd help us as we close out this service. We would not just be thinking, that was good, and um, I'll be able to get out of here soon. But instead, we'd be thinking about your coming soon. Are we really ready? There's so many different areas of our life that we can talk about being ready, but are we ready in the way we think about you? Are our eyes really on you, Jesus? The lion and the lamb, the king. Help us to settle that even right here, right now. Work in us, Jesus. Holy Spirit, fall upon us.